Perek Tes Vav Mishnah Zayin. The Mishnah presents another application of the dispute between Rabbi Tarf and Rabbi Kiva. We saw in the previous Mishnah. Our Mishnah's case is as follows. A woman went overseas with her husband and father-in-law, and upon her return, Amra, she testified, My husband died, and then my father-in-law died as well. The halacha is that as regards herself, She may get remarried on the basis of her own testimony. She may also collect her ksuba from her husband's estate. However, Vachamosa Asura. Her mother-in-law remains forbidden to remarry because mother-in-law, daughter-in-law is another one of those contentious relationships, a presumed animosity there, that gives cause for concern that uh, perhaps the testimony isn't true. She's purposely fabricating the testimony to the detriment of this relative that she dislikes. And there's no disagreement about this halacha. There is a dispute about the following issue. And that is, let's say, Bas Yisrael Lekohen. This mother-in-law is the daughter of Israel, so her father is not a Kohen. Her husband was a Kohen, so that her marriage to him entitles her to have truma. But there's no children, so it's only as long as they're married that the mother-in-law may have truma. If the marriage should end, it becomes a biblical prohibition once again for her to have truma. So here, this woman's daughter-in-law testified that her husband died. We said, we don't believe that testimony in the sense that we will not, on its basis, permit the mother-in-law to get remarried. But the question is, that perhaps we regard the testimony as at least possibly true in regards to being stringent, to say that she should not be allowed to continue eating truma because maybe her coming husband has died. The first opinion rules, that no, the testimony of the daughter-in-law is completely rejected with respect to the mother-in-law, even if the result is a leniency, as is the case here, Allah is the mother-in-law may continue to have truma, for she may fully assume that her husband is still alive, as if her daughter-in-law never testified. These are the words of Rabbi Tarifon. However, Rabbi Akiva Omer, This approach will not guarantee an avoidance of sin that isn't guaranteed. Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says that, in the case we described above, if the mother-in-law is a basis shall marry to a coin, because of her daughter-in-law's testimony that the mother-in-law's coin husband has died, the father-in-law may not continue having truma. She, on the one hand, cannot get remarried. Meaning, regarding that, we do not believe the testimony, but regarding the issue of truma, we have to suspect maybe the testimony is true, and thus she cannot continue to have truma. The Mepharshim explained that the reason that the Mishnah applies the dispute of Bitarf and Rebikiva to these two cases that we had between this and the previous Mishnah is because we wouldn't necessarily be able to infer the opinions of one case to the other, since the hatred between two co-wives is deeper than the hatred between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. The Mishnah presents two other disputes, Rabbi Tarif and Rabbi Akiva. The connection to the dispute that we just learned is that in these disputes as well, Rabbi Akiva uses that same language of Einzu derech Avera. This next case is as follows. Of a person who is kidesh achas mechamesh nashim ve'en yodea is a kidesh. A man performed kedushin. The Gemara explains it means he performed the kedushin kinyan through an act of bia, an actual act of intimacy, which technically works as a kedushin kinyan, but it's frowned upon by the rabbanan. Here he performed kedushin this way with one of five women. He doesn't know which one he actually married, and the women themselves did not help clarify what happened. Each woman claims he married me. The 
Mishnah rules that assuming these women want to get married to somebody else, no sin get lecholachas v'achas. Each and every one of these five women would need a get. So you'd have to give gitin to all five of them. Okay, so any one of them may be the one you actually married. The Mishnah then discusses the issue of ksuba. And of course, you're normally, a man divorces his wife, he must make the ksuba payment. A divorce triggers the ksuba debt. So how does it work in this case, where in reality, of these five women, only one of them is his ex-wife who he owes a ksuba. The Mishnah rules, So if you read the words literally, the Mishnah says, he puts the ksuba money between them and removes himself and lets them duke it out. But what the Mishnah actually means is that he puts the ksuba money in a trust, you know, gives it to Bezdin, and there it remains until one of the five women can prove that she was the one he was married to. These are the words of Rebbe Tarfon. However, Rabbi Akiva Omer, It's that same language again. Doing that, you're putting the ksuba money in a trust and waiting for one of the women to prove she's the ex-wife, is not a way that this man can guarantee he frees himself from sin, meaning from shirking his obligation to pay his ex-wife her ksuba. The only way to guarantee that he has addressed that obligation is is to give not only a get, but a ksuba to each and every one of these five women. The Gemara explains that Rebekiv agrees that as far as the letter of the law, this is not required, but this is a rabbinic penalty. This man is penalized for performing the kedushin. In a way that does not meet the approval of the Rabbanon, he did it through Bia. So therefore, he's penalized in that if it ends up in this kind of situation where you have multiple women claiming that each one was the woman he had married, we throw the book at him and require him to pay ksuba to all five of them. Another similar dispute, let's say, A person stole from one of five people, he doesn't know which one he stole from, and Kolachadomra Ozigazal. All five claim he stole from me. So here too, the halacha is the dispute between Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Akiva. We start with Rabbi Tarfan that Rabbi Tarfan says, Miniach gzela mistalek Rabbi Tarfan. But here too, Rabbi Tarfan says, he doesn't have to pay all five of them. We know he only stole from one of them. So he puts the money in a trust, gives the money to Bezdin, and no one will actually be able to claim it until one of them can prove that the money was stolen from him. However, here too, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Inzu Derech Avera, doing this, does not extract himself from having committed a sin, uh, failing to make restitution for theft. The only way to guarantee that he is in compliance with the halacha is that she shalim So he pays the amount that he stole to all five of these people. And here too, this is a rabbinic penalty for the fact that he, of course, who committed a sin here of stealing. That even though you know, technically he shouldn't have to pay all five, because we know he didn't steal from more than one of them, so you know, technically the halacha should be like Rabbi Tarfan says. But the Rabbanit said, you know what, we're going to be stringent with him for committing theft and require him to pay all five of them. And the Farshim explained the reason that the Mishnah articulates these two applications of the dispute of Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Akiva is because in each case the infraction that earns the ire of the Rabbanon and makes him the subject of a rabbinic penalty is not the same. And in the second case, he committed a biblical transgression, whereas in the first case, it was a rabbinic violation that he performed Kedushan through Bia. Thus, the pins of Bittar Bikiva wouldn't be fully known had the mission only presented one of these disputes.